Sunday. I was sitting on my hands during the Bible study session. It was so cold. My, I couldn't hardly hear what was being said. My wife's teeth were chattering so loud. <laughs> we have a neighborhood Walmart in our neighborhood, right, very close to the house. And uh, I've been wanting to ask them, why don't you just set all the milk and everything right out in the aisle because it's cold enough in here. You don't need to put them in a cooler. It is so cold in that store. It's like walking into a refrigerator. I would say icebox, but most of y'all don't know what an icebox is. I, I, unfortunately, so do I. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare again tonight. This is going to be our concluding lesson. We could go on, believe me. I really didn't want to do this in four lessons. I wanted to do it in two, uh, but uh, to really cover things appropriately, and we're not going through all of the Black Book, obviously, or we would be here for several more lessons. Um, if anybody has any questions for me after the service, I'm going to be really busy with tables and that, but if anybody has any questions or uh, in the next week, well, we're leaving Sunday for a couple of weeks too, but Come to me, I'll, I'll try to answer your questions. We have a little bit of experience when dealing with uh, demon spirits and spiritual warfare. The next venue we're going to talk about is perhaps one of the most important areas of warfare praying, and it's binding and loosing. Binding and loosing. Um, binding is forbidding. Uh, it is, it is uh, disabling demon spirits, prohibiting them from... Uh, what they are doing or what their intention is to do. It is not literally binding, such as when the Bible talks about angels, they're in chains of darkness. They're not in literal chains. Um, they're not chained up in a dungeon somewhere. They are running free. But their future, uh, their destiny is, is set. It is predetermined at this point. Uh, so when you bind, it's not, you're not going to bind them permanently just going to keep them from doing what they want to do. Then, of course, loosing is the opposite of that, is permitting or giving permission or releasing <coughs> uh, that which can work uh, opposite of what demon spirits uh, are proposing to do. Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 and 19, <coughs> says, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever... You shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Now, that means that heaven's going to back you up. God's going to have your back. He's going to stand behind you. You can speak these things with authority and be assured that you have God's permission to do so. Of course, then whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. I understand that we're not really doing it. We are just speaking it forth. It's God and perhaps even his angels are involved in bringing to pass what we are saying when it comes to binding and loosing. So we bind spirits that are hindering. We bind spirits that are opposing or interfering with God's will, with God's work, are with God's people. We bind those spirits. And if we do not bind them, they will continue to interfere and uh, uh, hinder the work of God. 
but we also bind spirits that are uh, hindering or influencing people, family members, uh, could be governments, local or national. Uh, spirits can be involved in situations. There are a lot of times that you will run into people that are just very difficult to deal with, and it's because they are demon-possessed, and that devil knows that the Spirit of God is in you, and they will not like you. They will hate you, to be honest with you, and they will do their best to make your life miserable. You will not win an argument with that person. You will only win by binding the spirit that is in them, silencing that spirit. <clears throat> uh, so when binding spirits, it's important, very important, that we also loose something in its place. That's why it's binding and loosing. Whatsoever you bind in earth shall be bound in heaven. We do that by loosing the opposite of that which the evil spirit is manifesting, plus everything else that we can think of that will enable that person, those people, or the situation that we're praying for, that they will be able to submit and follow the will of God, the word of God, and the righteousness of God. We have to loose something in their place. Uh, when Jesus cast the legion out of the demoniac, uh, they found him clothed and sitting and in his right mind. God took the torment out of him and put a right mind within him. And then he told him, now you can go home. Uh, so that's very important. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, throughout the course of this, preparing for this, I thought a lot about Paul's thorn in the flesh. It probably took him a long time, <coughs> excuse me, to figure out that 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 spirit, that evil spirit that was, that was buffeting him was sent from God, and it wasn't going to go away. That's one spirit that Paul could not bind. He could not get rid of. Prayed three times, and, and God said, no, it's not going anywhere. You need this, but my grace is sufficient for you. But here, he admits to the fact that Satan hindered not just him, but them. His mission team hindered them from going to visit the church in Thessalonica. I know this may amaze some of us, and you may think, well, if Paul couldn't win the battle, then what chance do I have? But uh, I want you to understand from the standpoint that even um, this mighty man of God fought demon spirits, probably more so than we can even possibly imagine. You're not going to win every battle. Let me say that to you tonight. You're not going to win every battle. You're not going to go to heaven a hundred and Zero. I mean, you're just, you're going to, sometimes you're going to get frustrated and lose a battle here and there. But get up, dust yourself off, and charge back into the fray. Now, how did Satan hinder Paul? Well, we don't know exactly. We're going to, we're going to uh, present another scenario in just a moment. But the only way that Satan could have prevented Paul and his missionary team from going to Thessalonica would have been by using people to come against them. The devil can't. The devil can't just put a, a wall up and say, we all can't leave the building tonight. Can't do that. He, he doesn't have that power. He doesn't have that ability. So he couldn't say, he couldn't just rise up and say, Paul, I'm just not going to let you go to Thessalonica. Paul would have laughed at him and said, get out of my way. So he used people. The devil uses people to hinder the saints of God. So Satan was involved in this personally. A lot of times he sends his minions, but in this particular case, he was involved in this 
situation personally, and he was able to exert his influence uh, upon ungodly men or ungodly people, not necessarily men, and he convinced them to do his bidding. Now, these men, most likely they were men, they probably already hated the truth. They already hated Christians. They already hated the church. They hated God. And so it wasn't a stretch to convince them to do things that would prevent Paul and his team from doing the will of God. 1 Timothy 4.14, this is another situation. It says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Now, just plucking that out of the scriptures, we may not understand the exact situation here, but uh, Paul referred to Alexander in his first letter to Timothy, which is why Alexander, we'll read this in just a moment, why Alexander had such a loathing for Paul. He hated Paul's guts. He hated God. He hated the church. So it's written in 1 Timothy 1.18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. I wanted you to see the context within which Paul places what he is writing to Timothy in this letter. It's in the context of spiritual warfare. Then he writes, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that we could, we could talk about surrounding what Paul did to Hymenaeus and Alexander. But Alexander did not learn not to blaspheme. Alexander, instead of learning the error of his way, repenting and coming back to God, which was the intent here to begin with, Alexander became an instrument of Satan, an instrument of the devil, and was used by demon spirits to come against Paul and to do much evil unto him and to others in the kingdom of God. He became a pawn of the devil. That's what people do. They become pawns of the devil. Uh, whether he was demon-possessed or not, we have no way of knowing. But uh, a lot of people that Satan uses are demon-possessed. They have spirits within them. They, they uh, uh, may not fall on the ground and foam at the mouth, but there are a lot of people you run into on a daily basis that are possessed by demon spirits. I don't know if that shocks you or not, but it's the truth. So either by influencing or by occupying the people that oppose Paul uh, and oppose those that travel with him, uh, they were unable to go to Thessalonica. They were physically, literally unable to go and do the will of God because of the warfare that was going on in the spiritual world. All conflicts, disputes, or confrontations with people um, are the result of demonic influence. They are. Carnality and wickedness does not need any motivation. But just human nature will cause this. If you have a problem, I'll just take it, I'm going to take this out of the church, I'll take it at work. If you have an issue going on at work, what do people do? They start talking to other people and forming what? Alliances. You think the devil doesn't get in the middle of junk like that? 
Man, it's like a pool of fresh water. He dives right into that. Man, that's his playground. He loves that. So we have to be aware of what is going on around us. Uh, a lot of people assume that if it's God's will, it will come to pass. That's not true. We just read that it was God's will for Paul to go to Thessalonica. He didn't get there. We assume, well, and I've heard people, uh, the people of God say this through the years so many times. Well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. Really? It's God's will for nobody to be lost. Is everybody saved? God could exert his sovereign will, but he doesn't. So by doing much evil to Paul, Alexander the coppersmith prevented him from doing the work of God and the will of God all the time that it was God's will. So the adversaries of God and of God's people are very formidable. There's no question about it. We do not want to overstate that. We do not want to understate that. Uh, adversary is formidable, and it requires great faith, great persistence, uh, perseverance uh, to overcome demon spirits that come against us or to challenge territorial spirits and take territory away from them that they have already claimed and laid hold to. Now, that's a different ballgame altogether. It takes a lot of faith and a lot of persistence in order to do that. In lesson three, we addressed the diversity of angels. <coughs> Excuse me, we talked about seraphims and mighty angels and, and uh, cherubims and ministering spirits and, and all kinds of different angels in uh, God's creation. And we learned that they look different. They are created different. They have different purposes. Some uh, have six wings and some maybe have no wings at all. Uh, they're created for dissimilar purposes. But what we learn from that, when we consider the cadre of angels within God's creation, um, then we learn something about demon spirits because they used to be angels, right? Of course, they were angels that followed Lucifer in rebellion was cast down to the earth. They were created originally to be angels, and one-third of them followed the archangel Lucifer, the angel of light. So since demon spirits were formerly angels before they were cast down to the earth, stands to reason by deduction, by extrapolation, that they also are different in size, in stature, in purpose, in, in appearance. They are different as well, just like the angels of God are different because these demons used to be angels, but now they are dark and, and the demented uh, spirits that are here to destroy and to kill and to steal. So just as angels fulfill different tasks and purposes in God's service and also in God's uh, realm of angels, there are those that have authority different echelons of authority, such is it in the kingdom of darkness and in the demons that are under the leadership of Satan. So they fulfill different roles. They're not all the same. Every spirit you come up against is not going to be the same kind of spirit. And to think that way uh, is, is, uh, is not good because you will not understand a lot of times what you are dealing with. Now, at no time do we want to uh, cast a spirit of fear in anybody, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, but you need to understand that this is not a game. This is not playtime. Uh, you do not want to wade into something that you're not prepared for. Uh, these are very powerful entities that we can defeat if we know how to defeat them and if we use the correct weapons. Also, angels 
uh, as with angels, demon spirits uh, differ in strength. Uh, you may come up against a spirit and uh, you rebuke it and it just, it just, you know, you resist the devil and he flees, he's gone. The next time you think it's that easy, all of a sudden he don't go anywhere. He doesn't, doesn't bow down. He doesn't just, okay, see ya. No. All of a sudden you're, you've got a battle going on. You may not understand why. You're not prepared for that. <clears throat> when doing spiritual warfare, be prepared for anything. You may be dealing with uh, a spirit or spirits in spiritual warfare, and all of a sudden people at work will come up against you that never came up against you before. Be prepared for that. Could be family members. Could be brothers and sisters in church. In our flesh, we are no match for the weakest or smallest devil in our flesh. But through the name of Jesus Christ, the biggest and most powerful devil is no match for us. 1 John 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Obviously, he that is in you is Jesus. He that is in the world is Satan or demon spirits. God cast Satan and all his minions out of heaven, down to this earth, and it is his spirit, God's spirit, that gets on the inside of you. So what he casts down, now God is in us. So the enemy, he is no match for us. You understand that? I mean, uh, I wrestled a guy in high school one time. It was in gym class. The guy was a, a foot and a half taller than me, outweighed me by 100 pounds. And... Uh, we got on the mat, I grabbed him by the t-shirt, pulled him down, and pinned him in like five seconds. Well, then not long after that, uh, there's another guy I knew that was not as tall as this guy, but outweighed me by 100, maybe 150 pounds, and I squared off against him on the mat. And you know how they lock, you lock arms? He just picked me up by one hand and went, boom! Well, I, I guess it was because he was the second in state for three consecutive years in wrestling. <laughs> so um, I didn't have the Holy Ghost at that time. If I did, I'd have whipped that boy. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's almost like, and, and I probably shouldn't put it in this perspective, it's almost like you've got a big brother goes wherever you go. you got God with you wherever you go. He's not just beside you. He doesn't just have your back. He is in you uh, for this and many other wonderful purposes. And I think that to believe that the Christ in you is greater than anything you will come across in the world, in, in the spirit world, is very important if you are going to engage and be involved in spiritual warfare. It would be a great advantage to you also to know what kind of a spirit that you are dealing with. Um, this is not always necessarily uh, 
easy to figure out. It's not always cut and dry. They do not wear name tags. Uh, but it helps to know what spirit you're dealing with. So when confronting spirits indirectly or when you're confronting spirits that are in people or situations or governments or family, you know, they're, they're distant. They're not where you are at that time. You're confronting them at a distance. When you're binding or, 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 or exerting your influence over them, you may not know precisely what kind of a spirit you're dealing with. However, if you look, let's say you're praying for an individual and you know that they, they um, are influenced by spirits or demon-possessed, they will manifest in their life the character of the demon or demons that is in them. When Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and this, this dad asked him to cast the devil out of his son, the, the man told Jesus what kind of a spirit was in him, and he said he throws him into the fire and then into the water. It was, a, it was that kind of a spirit. Jesus knew exactly what kind of it was. He told the disciples, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Notice he said this kind. He knew what kind of a spirit he was dealing with. Um, many times, um, observing the character, the problems that a person has, the spirit that they're manifesting, the sin they're manifesting will help you to know what kind of a spirit is in them. When observing the culture around us that is disintegrating right before our eyes, it's not difficult to see what perverse and seductive spirits are at work. We're in a downward spiral right now. That doesn't mean that God cannot send national revival uh, across America. We're praying for that to happen. Uh, but we're seeing... Uh, the, our culture spiraled downward, and uh, our culture is, is very sensual. There's, there are two basic spirits being manifest in America right now. One is a violent spirit of hatred, and the other is a spirit of immorality and perversion. When we're praying against these spirits, you need to understand what you're praying against. So I'm going to tell you that there are gutter devils, and there are sophisticated devils. I'm going to say it again, they're gutter devils. They, that's, that's what they are. They, they manifest that kind of a characteristic. But then there are sophisticated devils. Uh, an example of that would be Bernie Madoff. I mean, come on. You think he did this on his own? You think he's that smart? No. There's a spirit of, of greed that got a hold of this man. And uh, he never carried a gun. He didn't wear a, a a mask over his face. He had never walked into a bank and said, give me your money, because he wouldn't have got that much. He, he got literally billions of dollars. Uh, but you would have never thought that this man was a thief. Nobody thought it until it all came out. But to see what I'm talking about, look at what Jesus did when confronting the devils within the demoniac. Now, I'm, I am convinced I'm not relatively sure. I'm sure Jesus knew exactly what was in this man. But he's teaching the disciples. You understand that? He is instructing them on how to, how to cast out devils. So he says to them, what is your name? He wasn't shocked when that guttural voice said, I am Legion. Well, he knew exactly how many devils and who they were that was in this man. Uh, once you know the name 
of a spirit or the kind of a devil that you're dealing with, it's much easier to defeat them because now you call them by name. I make it a point most of the time when I'm checking out somewhere dealing with somebody, look at their name tag. They probably think I'm weird. I'm going sometimes. Because I like to say, hey, Bob, how you doing today? Hey, Mary, how's your day going? And they, I mean, it shocks people when you call them by name. Sometimes you can't see their name, so I just say, hey, Walmart, is that your name? <laughs> That's all you can see. Or, hey, Publix. But when you call someone by their name, it has an effect upon them. And I think it's important in spiritual warfare as much as is possible when dealing with spirits to know who they are and to call them by their name. An evangelist had preached a revival for us in Bethalto, um, Bethalto, Illinois, many years ago, told us something that happened in one of the revivals that she preached. Uh, a man came into the church uh, that was demon-possessed and came to the altar, began to pray. And they began to pray with him, and these spirits manifested themselves. And so they began to cast the devil out. Of course, they found out then that it's not one devil. It was multiple spirits. Uh, they would cast one devil out, and then another one would appear. And they would uh, ask its name. And once they determined the name or the kind of spirit, they would pray again, cast that devil out, then another one would appear. This went on for several hours to the point that everybody had left the church. Now, the only ones left is the pastor, the pastor's wife, and this evangelist and this man. And so they came to one spirit, and spirit rose up within him. He said, what is your name? And the spirit said, I am Jesus. That's what they all did, huh? So they paused, and they, they uh, got aside a little bit, and they prayed. They said, God, how in the world do we cast out a spirit in your name that claims to be you? And the Lord told them, cast it out in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's a lot of Jesuses, but there's only one Jesus of Nazareth. And so, of course, they proceeded to cast that spirit out and eventually got complete deliverance for this man. I'm telling you, you will face a lot of different things, and it's okay. Uh, God will be with you uh, through all of it. Um, the Black Book provides us with a long list of demon spirits. It would be pointless for us to just go through the list here tonight. You can read these things in the black book for yourself. Um, so we're not going to do that, but we are going to talk about the first one on the list, and the first one on the list is the spirit of fear. Now, the spirit of fear is very prevalent because um, human beings are generally prone to fear to begin with. It's not a leap for a spirit to convince us to be afraid when we're afraid a lot of times as it is. And a lot of times the spirits will get on us and will manifest something we're already feeling. They will seize on a characteristic we're already manifesting and they will um, magnify it, blow it out of proportion. And so uh, we're going to talk about, for just a few minutes, the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear can be manifest in many, many different ways. Um, 
The first way it's mentioned in the book here is fears and phobias. Phobias and fears. Fear of height, fear of enclosed places. Uh, all kind of, they have names. You, you can be afraid of air, I guess. I mean, there's a name for everything. Phobias, all kind of stuff. And some of that just may be a, a normal, natural uh, fear that someone has. But again, it can become a problem when demon spirits sees that and begin to torment people with that fear. Isaiah 13, 7 and 8, therefore shall all hands be faint and every man's heart shall melt. They shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Why did the children of Israel not go into Canaan when they were supposed to? You can say in belief, but it was fear. They were afraid. They were afraid. If there was no fear, they wouldn't have had a problem believing. They were afraid that they would not be able to do it. Second Timothy 1 and 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. This is the opposite now but have power and love and of a sound mind. If you're going, if, let's put it like this. If you are dealing with a spirit of fear, let's just put it in your life. You're dealing with a spirit of fear in your life, and it's crippling you. It's hindering you. It's hampering uh, your service to God and your worship and your prayer and relationships and, and who knows what. It's hindering that. Then, uh, you have to replace that. You've got to get that out, but you've got to replace it with something else. So if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, he gives us uh, power, love, and a sound mind. This is a perfect example of bind something but loose something else. Once you determine the kind of spirit that you're facing, plead the blood of Jesus against it. Right away, plead the blood of because what is you you get you you get that spirit off balance. They're not prepared for that. They have no defense against that. The blood of Jesus is like acid to them. They 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 have no weapon formed in, in their arsenal to fight against the blood of Jesus. And as you plead the blood of Jesus, then bind that spirit. You've already got it off off balance. Bind that spirit through the authority and power of the name of Jesus Christ and loose the love of God, loose the courage, loose the faith of God at that point. Claim these things. And it will require, of course, a combination of both faith and persistence because uh, the devil just goes, oh, excuse me, uh, I will take my leave now, sir. We have to be persistent in prayer. Uh, sometimes spiritual warfare will require, require you to fast. Ooh, I knew you were hoping we wouldn't ever come to that. And there are a number of reasons for that, and we're just going to touch on it very briefly here. Of course, Jesus said this kind. There, there's some demon spirits that require uh, a special anointing upon us. And fasting doesn't bring the anointing, but it gets rid of the flesh. And when the flesh is under subjection to God, then the anointing can flow. But sometimes we're fighting a spirit that is already part of our nature to begin with. You know, if, if all of a sudden, I'm going to make this very, very simple. If you hate ice cream, does anybody here hate ice cream? We'll pray for you after service if you do. 
I mean, you just hate ice cream. You can't stand the flavor of it, but all of a sudden you start craving it. Something's going on. Something is happening. And that's the way it is. Sometimes a spirit will manifest it, so all of a sudden uh, you will start being tempted with something you never had a desire for before. That's a spirit. Now, if we've always had a desire for that, we may not recognize the spirit that's tempting us. You understand what I'm saying? We may think it's just the flesh rising up. But if all of a sudden, there it is. But if we're tempted and we're led and we're tormented about something that is a part of our nature to begin with, now we got to not only plead the blood against that spirit and bind that spirit, now we got to crucify that thing that that devil got a hold of. You understand what I'm saying? It's not all, hey, ah, hey, ah, hoo-ah. Sometimes you got to put food away and pray, and you got to get kill that thing that's in you. Remove the uh, whatever the the enemy is feeding on in your flesh. Then there's also, of course, the fruit of the spirit. There's the works of the flesh that precedes Galatians, but then it mentions the nine fruit of the spirit. If you're having a problem with hatred, you need to get a hold of the love of God. See, we want to just kick devils out of the house. Sometimes you get the devil out and you still got a problem because it's, it's, it's embedded in your flesh. So the fruit of the Spirit is a tremendous help, a benefit when involved in spiritual warfare because if you start praying for somebody else, that devil will attack you. Trust me. You start praying for uh, a friend or a relative or a neighbor or whatever, Sometimes that devil that's on them will come and attack you, and you have to be ready to deal with that particular situation. The fruit of the Spirit is a tremendous help in this regard because it releases the attributes of God into our life, into our spirit, and so on. Uh, this, this, Regardless of what kind of a spirit you're dealing with, this works. The Black Book talks about the spirit of torment or horror. Uh, I personally believe, and there are a lot of apostolic preachers that are, that concur with me that a lot of mental illness is not mental illness it's spiritual oppression or possession Um, not all not all Uh, but there are a lot of people in institutions right now that uh, will never be cured with drugs or with therapy or with treatment they simply need the devil's cast out of them and uh they would be in the right mind and they would be whole. The book talks about the fear of death. I hope that as a child of God that we have been released from that. Nevertheless, it can be an issue. It is an issue for many people that are non-Christians. Fear of death, I'm not going to read the scriptures because we don't have the time. I want to finish with what I want to speak to you about. there's the spirit of doubt. We're not supposed to worry. I mean, it's hard to completely disconnect ourselves from things that are going on in the world. Nevertheless, this world is not our home. This world is, this kingdom is not ours. We're in the kingdom of God. And it's, I think it's the transition that we worry about more than anything. But The Bible said that men's hearts are failing because of fear. That's predicted for the end time. It's happening. 
And we want to make sure that we do not fall into that category. And so we have to uh, resist the spirit that will cause us to doubt and to not trust God uh, in the situations that we are in. Uh, we wrestle against many other types of spirits. Um, there's a spirit called a perverse spirit. One of the reasons that pornography has literally exploded, or there's some technical, technological reasons. Uh, one used to have to buy a magazine and take it home. Mom could see it. Wife could see it. Kids could see it. Now you don't have to do that anymore. You can sit over on the couch in, in the corner and people not paying attention right on your iPad or your phone. I mean, it's become so easy and convenient. So it has given a room, it has given a great deal of leeway for this perverse spirit to move and to, and, and to bind people with these things. And we have to be aware that they are doing just exactly that. We have to resist these things, not just in our own lives, but uh, in our community and in our families. There's a spirit of jealousy. Where does it come from? It, uh, it comes from within. Spirit sees on the inside of people characteristics and, and weaknesses and magnify those things. Spirit of rebellion. There's just so many different kinds of spirits. Spirit of error. Spirit of lying. Spirit of heaviness. Spirit of seducing spirits. Spirit of antichrist. Spirit of bondage. I mean, and, and, and every one of these are subcategories of spirits within them. Spirit of haughtiness and spirit of infirmity. Uh, and if you go through the black book, you can read all of this. It's all in there for you, and there's scriptures and examples and everything else for you to help you identify uh, and then bind these spirits, whatever they are that are working. Sometimes you pray and ask God what spirit is at work, and God will many times reveal what kind of a spirit that you are up against. Uh, and then it will also help you to know what to loose in a person's life or in your life. But let's talk very quickly. I wanted to be done in the next three minutes and unless I talk really fast, which I can't do. Uh, tearing down strongholds. Tearing down strongholds. Second Corinthians 10, 3, Although we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you approach spiritual warfare uh, in the flesh, you are going to get beat up. You're, you're not going to enjoy the, uh, the event at all. We do not war after the flesh. So if you're fighting a battle in your mind and, and in your flesh, win that battle first. Get, get, win that battle, pray and fast, faithfulness. Get that flesh under control before you ever uh, put on the armor and engage a spirit or spirits. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, 
and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but the only person who I have control over their thoughts is me. Can't control anybody else's thoughts. It's talking about your thoughts. That's the only thoughts that you have control over. The Greek word for stronghold is masuda. It's a feminine noun that is used to reflect two different things. And th these are important for us if we're going to actually do this. Uh, it's not in the black book, but we're breaching the cover of the book here and have for the last four weeks. But it can be used, Masuda can be used to identify a net, or your fishermen will understand this, for hunting and catching prey. And we generally use a net to catch fish, but of course nets and different traps can be used to catch animals as well. And so when Satan's strongholds are allowed to remain in place, then that means he has set snares and traps to catch people and to bind them in his snare, in his trap. That's one inference of a satanic stronghold. Right now in our city, there are traps and snares and nets that he has placed out here that will catch people. There, a man will be on a business trip and a woman will seduce him. It's a snare. It's a trap. He would have never pursued a woman, but she is Satan's messenger. Hey, let's have whatever tonight. So many different snares are set out there for people. Uh, young people, teenagers will go to parties and they'll get with their friends and somebody say, hey, sniff this, this is great. They'd never do it normally, but because of peer press, a snare, a trap, there's so many different kinds of those. But secondly, Masuda also refers to a wilderness or mountainous place for hiding, a place of defense, and a place for gathering supplies and preparing for battle. So when you're pulling down strongholds, you're dismantling and tearing down the snares of the devil. Can we do that? Yes, we can. We have the power and authority to do that. We're going to pull these strongholds down. You can pray. You can save a husband from adultery. You can save a child from getting on drugs. I'm talking about something that's powerful because that's what a stronghold is. But we can also invade the places where they're gathering and preparing for battle, where they're strategizing, where they're putting together plans and they're putting everything together, getting ready to assault families and attack children and attack the saints of God. Pulling down strongholds is a very important aspect of spiritual warfare. Because Satan uses both of these strongholds or these masudas to his advantage. And if he is not challenged, if he is allowed to run unrestrained, unchallenged, who's going to challenge him? The Catholics? Church of Christ? Presbyterians? Episcopalians? No! Apostolics! Who are baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with his spirit are the only ones that can formulate this kind of a challenge against the principalities and powers of our city and pull these strongholds down. Musicians, would you come?
we didn't have to deal with the tables, I'd probably go on a little bit longer, but we really need to break and get the tables set up and so on, so it's not too late for you all to get home. Um, I think it's important for me to say this tonight, that you need to decide or you need to choose what power you're going to submit to. I think you need to choose who you're going to submit to. You know that when you become a Christian, I mean, I'm talking about a born-again, baptized in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost-filled Christian, and you sin against God, that's spiritual adultery. The church is the bride of Christ. When we go outside of the bride of that relationship, it's spiritual adultery. We need to decide who we're going to serve. Didn't Joshua deal with that? He said, not tomorrow, not next week. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And when he talked about the gods on the other side of the flood and back in Egypt, he was talking about devils. When people worship Baal, you think they were worshiping just some idol that was fashioned with the hands of men. There were demons that occupied the different forms of Baal and Moloch and Ashtoreth and, and so on. And so we need to decide who we're going to serve. And then we need to serve him with vigor. We need to serve him with commitment. Stand with me tonight. There are a lot of other things we don't have time to go into. Uh, I believe that it's important that we cast down imaginations. What are imaginations? I think it's a sin for a, a husband to fantasize about another woman. That's imagination. I think it's a, there are a lot of imaginations and fantasies that we have about things outside of the boundaries of God's righteousness and holiness, and we need to get control on that. We need to stop that. We need to cast down these imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If it is exalting or putting itself before the knowledge of God, you need to get rid of it. You need to get rid of it. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. One of the things that the Black Book recommends is meditation. <clears throat> I don't know if anybody here meditates or not. Most of the meditating I do is at night. When I wake up at night and I can't go back to sleep, I meditate and pray. And of course, I do it during the day, but at night especially, it's quiet, it's dark, it's perfect. And that's how you get your mind on the right things. Uh, the Black Book will talk about, if you read through it, about prayer laps or praying through the Lord's Prayer. Um, we've taught on that at times. We have done that. talks about praying the Word. And, and what it means is you take a scripture and you put somebody's name in there. You insert a name. For example, give me thanks unto the Father which made, instead of us, put a person's name in there, meet to be partaker. What I do, and I recommend this for everybody, is before you pray, 
Read the word out loud. Even the black book recommends this in another place. Why out loud? Number one, the word of God is alive. It's quick and powerful. It is God's word. It's eternal. It's inerrant. It's infallible. By reading the word, you are already speaking in the spirit. And flow right from there and go right into prayer. You're already talking the things of the spirit if you ever start to pray. It shouldn't take you 20 minutes to warm up in prayer. And if you do that, it won't take you that long. You just move right on into praying after you've been praying. Speaking the word out loud, I heard a story years ago, and I, I, I'll end with this. This man's wife, apostolic couple, she went off the rails. She went bonkers. She was going to leave. She, she was going to go find her another man. Nobody could talk to her, pastor, family, mom, dad. Nobody could talk to her. She was convinced. So she was at home getting her stuff together. She's going to leave, and she's going to be gone. This man went went got his Bible, and he walked behind her, speaking the word out loud, just reading the word, speaking it out loud everywhere she went, packing her suitcase and getting her cosmetics together, which she shouldn't have had, and doing this and doing it. He is speaking the word. All of a sudden, she fell to the floor and began to weep and cry and repent. He won the battle against that spirit with the word. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Do it. Do it. If there's any spirits around you, when you begin to pray, they're not going to stick around while you're reading the Word of God to them. Amen. Just do it, saints. It'll work. Everybody all right? I didn't run anybody off yet. (laughs) All right. Let's spend a couple minutes in worship and prayer.